Hello, welcome everybody. I'm so glad that you have taken time out of your day to be with me and I so appreciate you. And I think you should just give yourself a pat on the back because you know investing in your faith, investing in your relationships, um, that is the best investment you can make in your life, honestly. And it takes time, it takes effort and you are doing that. So you should congratulate yourself and be proud of yourself. Um, a quick introduction. Um, some of you know me and some of you don't. I am Jenny Hunter. Um, I am from Tampa, which has been in the news <laughs> a lot this week. And we are fine. Um, I'm actually not in Tampa today. Um, I had my 95-year-old aunt pass away. And so I'm in Utah with some of my sisters. Um, and we are going to her funeral. She was one of she was our last aunt and we left her. And so it isn't a sad death, but joyous. But because of that, my husband and two of my kids are um, weathering the storm and we didn't even lose power, um, but lots of people around us lost power and trees. And um, my husband's out in the Bronco now assessing the damage and doing all that. So um, the hurricane has passed and we're good, but you're not here to find out about that. We are here today to talk about how to grow our faith. So let us get into it because I have so much to share for you. Um, and if you guys have questions and answers, uh, questions and answers, if you have questions, just put them in the chat box. And I will, if we have time at the end, I will, I'm, all questions are good. There's no stupid questions, but as I'm teaching things, um, if you have questions come out, put them in the chat and hopefully you have time to get to it at the end. All right, so let us get going. Once again, thank you for coming. You're amazing for being here. and. Um, I'm excited to teach you. This is one of my favorite things to coach on um, because um, I have really lived this myself when my son came out and um, my faith is probably um, one of the most important things, if not the most important thing to me in my life and always has been and has brought me comfort. And it felt a little bit different when my son came out and I, you probably resonate with that. So we're going to get into that. Um, Go. Just a, um, another quick, this is my family. So I have six kids ranging from 13 to 25. Um, my son came out 10 years ago and I also have a daughter who's come out bisexual. So I have two LGBTQ kids and um, they, there they are. They are my favorite people. And um, my husband, John, and we have been married for 31 years and kind of part of the journey of um, dealing with my son coming out and reconciling how we were doing that as a family and reconciling our faith as we are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Um, we really, I needed more help. Um, so we went through family therapy and we did all those things, but it wasn't until I had a coach that I really became the mom I wanted to be in my son's story. And so um, because of the impact on that, that is why I became a coach, which if you talk to most coaches, that's usually the case. And I got certified through the life coach school. And then I did advanced faith-based coaching with Jody Moore. And I now have a community, coaching community called Lifted Together, which um, people coach with me in it. And it is, I love my clients. They are amazing people. So that is a little about me. We live in Tampa, Florida. Most of my kids are out here in Utah. And um, which makes us sad, but we're thrilled that they get to experience all the amazement at school out here. So um, how this is going to go is we're going to talk about what happens to your faith when your child comes out as LGBTQ and then how to reframe and create a stronger faith. And then a lot of you have talked like, how can I work with you further? And so I'll go over that at the end and questions that you have at the end. And like I said, if you guys have just joined, if you have questions as I'm teaching, just go ahead and put it in the Q&A and um, hopefully we will have time at the end for me to get to go over that. Okay, so kind of a dilemma and, you know, most of, you know, I've coached probably hundreds of families now and I would say when their child comes out, this is usually they're either angry at the Lord or they might be angry at the church and sometimes both. But I was, um, I fell in the category of being angry at the Lord. Um, and I felt like I had done everything I was supposed to, you know, we did all the family meetings, the scripture study. I was, you know, I did the program and, um, I did not get the result. And I think it was Tom Christopherson was like, 
um, last conference talked about a vending machine God, where you put in the what you were supposed to do and the blessings are supposed to come out. And that was kind of my experience where I was like, Lord, this was not the plan. This is not how I visualized this would go. And um, that is kind of where my faith went. Um, a lot of families I've coached, they're angry at the church where they look at their LGBT child who is amazing and nothing is different about them, but they don't really see a space for them in the church or how that works. And so if you are either one of those, um, then you are completely normal or you might have a different issue with your faith. But most of the time, these have where my clients have lined up um, on one of these dilemmas. And this is usually kind of what um, people are thinking when um, their child comes out. Um, this is many thoughts that I have coached on. Um, church doesn't feel the same. There isn't a place for my child here. Um, I see things differently now, and that's a problem. My insert leader, like young women's bishop, pastor, whatever, is more concerned with the rules than the welfare of my child. I hate going to church alone. If I stay active, my child says we can't have a relationship. And I did everything the Lord told me to do and what he promised hasn't happened. Um, does any of this resonate with you? This is, I've coached on all of these thoughts and all of these um, belief systems with my clients. These are very, very common things. So um, some of this resonate with me and probably you have felt some of this yourself. So good news is you're not alone. Um, other parents have felt the same thing. But this is these thoughts um, create a real disconnect in your faith and um, feel lonely and angry and worried and fear. And this is not where you're going to be your best self. So it really helps when you create when you realize like how to what really creates your faith. And really, your faith is a relationship, just like you have a relationship with your spouse and your children and your friends and your family. You have a relationship with your with your faith, meaning with Heavenly Father, with our Savior, with the church. Like that is a relationship. Um, and when your child comes out, you feel like that relationship has changed. Um, I'm going to say a lot of quotes from Terrell Givens. Um, this is one of his books. Um, I don't know if you guys could see it, but um, The Doors of Faith. He is a amazing scholar. And he has studied faith. Um, he's probably one of the best experts I know. Um, and he, if you ever listen to any of his books or read his books, um, you will gain a lot of wisdom. He's very scholarly. But I love how he said this. He said, the holiness is found in how we treat others, not in how we contemplate the cosmos. As our experiences in marriages, families, and friendships teach us, it takes relationships to provide that friction that wears down our rough edges and sanctifies us. So relationships is part of God's plan. It is how we grow, how we learn, how we become something new. And understanding what a relationship is. Sometimes there's confusion about that. We sometimes think relationship is the person and you and your shared experiences. But really a relationship is simply your thoughts. It's your thoughts about a person or a thing. It is not the shared experiences that helps with your thoughts. But really it's how you think about anything. And um, like both my parents have passed on, but my relationship is still going strong. Um, in fact, I just had experience last week where I felt they, I just felt they were there with me and I, and I talked to them a lot and I still feel very close to them. Think about a friend you haven't talked to for a year. And when you think about that person, you probably feel warm or um, love for that person because of what you're thinking about them. So always a relationship. And this is good news because sometimes like, um, especially with our children where you're like, I, I can't feel, they don't, they're not showing up out. They're not connecting or um, they're not talking to you. And I coach you on how to still create this amazing relationship with your thoughts so that you show up as the person you want in that relationship, regardless of how somebody else acts. So how do your relationship short your thoughts? So think about your thoughts are what create your experience. So how you're thinking when you go to church, how you're thinking about God, that is creating your experience with those entities. And it's with a, like you have a relationship with your town, with your house, with your church, with our savior. You are the creator of that. And so really the only thing that changed when your child came out um, is usually your thoughts. 
you think differently. So you feel differently at church or about God. Um, they're probably the same leaders. It probably wasn't even leader change some point. Um, people might've said things, but really you changed because you're thinking differently. You see things differently. When your child comes out, you really have a different way that you look at people, you love people. Um, I really have not coached a family that hasn't had their heart really expand and become more expansive in this area. And so rules and things like that at church might feel differently. Also, what happens is your manual is violated. And I'm gonna teach you what a manual is. So your thoughts change and your manual's violated. And so that is why church might not be as um, peaceful, enjoyable as it was in the past. So common thoughts that um, LGBTQ parents think is, I don't see it the same way. And these are like where their thoughts change. And so church feels different. Um, how could this be true? Where's Christ in this doctrine? How can their actions be deemed as Christ-like? Why would God create my child to be LGBTQ? Church feels unsafe. These people feel unsafe. I can't feel the spirit. I used to feel cherished here, and now I feel lonely. Do any of these resonate with you, um, these thoughts? Because like I said, all I've coached on all of these thoughts and many, many more about people's faith and their journey. And the manual, um, most of us have instruction manuals for how we want other people to behave. And what they are, they're like, think about like your microwave, or your dishwasher, and they came with like the book, like rarely any of us read until it breaks down and we go try to find the manual to figure out how to fix it. Well, we each create one of these manuals for each other. Like um, if I text a friend, she should text within 45 minutes or, and everybody's different. Like everybody just kind of has these unspoken rules. But we have that also for our relationship with God. Any relationship you have, you have kind of this unconscious manual and they're very detailed and precise. But most of the time, you're not even aware that you've created them and you don't even realize like the, the rules that you have created is ruining or making your experience great with this person. It's usually ruining, to be honest with you, because usually people do not follow our rules. And it's just a book of like expectations of what you think is normal, kind and acceptable behavior for someone who is interacting with you. Um, like, I, and I said, it's often unspoken. You might not even be aware of it. Um, and so they, you're, you're not even aware of it. So you often don't even tell the other person because, so they can't even comply to it. So you have these expectations um, that nobody really even knows sometimes you, but you're in pain and you're not sure why you're in pain. So being aware is the first step so that you have a manual, then dropping them. Then that is the best step. Like think of any relationship where you might have friction. It's because they're not doing what you think they should be doing. Um, they're showing up the world differently than you think is proper or right or how they should be. And that is a manual. We all have them. So you're in good, <laughs> good company and kind of what they look like. This would be an example of some of your manual things. Um, say for church. People should be kind. People should know this is hard. My bishop should help my child feel loved and seen. The Lord should tell me how to do this. If I'm obedient, then things should go as expected. The Lord should answer my questions. They shouldn't judge. They shouldn't talk about our family. Faith shouldn't feel this hard. These are all manual um, thoughts that create pain for your relationship with God or church. So the question is, if it's so hard, why even grow your trust and confidence in God? Why even grow your trust and confidence in your faith community? Um, and once again, Terrell Gibbons had this really great quote. He said, because we need to feel his love. This is what I said, because we need, when we feel his love and peace, we are operating on our highest self. We take action from our best self. We're able to access peace and love. Think about yourself. When you are feeling peace and love, you are being the mom you want in the world, being the dad you want in the world, to be in the world. You're being the person like you love who you're being. And it's very hard to do that for me without that connection to faith. And this is what Terrell Gibbon said. He said, whatever sense we make of the world, whatever value we place upon our lives and relationships, whatever meaning we ultimately give to our joys and agonies, most necessary will be a gesture of faith. Whatever we consider the whole product of impersonal cosmic forces, 
a malevolent deity or benevolent God depends not on the evidence, but on what we choose deliberately and consciously to conclude from that evidence. So really being more deliberately on what you choose to believe. Um, that is kind of the key to growing your faith. And this quote, because I'm not here today because I think everybody should stay in church and everybody should stay in the faith community. But I also think like we should think differently in our faith community. We should have space for you thinking differently for me. Like we, when people lose our faith community, we are less. Um, you are my brother and my sister. And when we do not have a variance of opinions, how we look at life, we are not the tapestry, the body of Christ that the Lord needs. And this really resonated to me of like why I stay. Um, and this is what he said in the doors of faith, Terrell Givens. He said, simply put, I need the church and you, its members. I need the inspiration that comes of our shared aspirations and disappointments and struggles. I need the discipline of instructions and reminding. I need the discipline of stewardship and sacrifice and service. Like I need other members. I need the Lord. I need the savior and I need a community. And I, I don't know if that resonates with you, but the church community, I, I need to serve. I need to sacrifice. So all of this, I was like, yes, this is why I stay. This is why I need church. And this is might be the same for you. The thing, if this is very, church is very painful for you. Um, I want you to really focus on your relationship with the Lord right now. And remember that connection is different for everybody. If you are connected, you might feel, if you're not connected, you might feel like you're lacking in faith. And that is not true. The good news is that you are just like 99% of us. The real truth is we all connect differently with God. We all are created differently, have different gifts. And the trick is learning the language of how you connect. So if you're not connecting, it's not because you're not faithful enough or you're doing it wrong. You just haven't figured out your language, how God speaks to you. And um, once again, Terrell Graham said, the greatest act of self-revelation occurs when we choose what we will believe in that space of freedom that exists between knowing that a thing is and knowing that a thing is not. Do you see this pattern here? The choice, it's your experience, how you're creating it. And trusting in the Lord and trusting in your community, trust is not earned. Sometimes we get confused. Trust is the emotion that you create and you create it by choosing to have a firm belief in the character strength or truth of someone or something. So if you're not feeling trust, you're not creating trust. It's emotion you feel, it's emotion you create by what you're thinking. And so you're thinking thoughts about your savior, heavenly father, church, that doesn't create that feeling of trust. But people don't earn your trust, you create trust. So it's a really important distinction. Um, so what is the problem? with our faith. Why does it go into faith peril? It's because we keep trying to change the circumstance. Like we think if the leaders were different, if the people would say the right words, if um, people were kinder, um, but we can't control any of that, but we can control how we show up, how we believe in the, in the circumstance. And the fruit of the problem really is, you know, when you have an LGBTQ child, you need more peace, more strength, more guidance than you ever have. Um, it is a time where you are on your knees a lot and you need to feel peace. It is, you have a lot of questions um, and a lot of fear, but usually you're feeling so disconnected because you're thinking thoughts that are creating this disconnection. So I'm going to teach you what you need to focus on to create more connection. And the first thing I really need you to do is reframe the circumstance of having a child um, or any circumstance you're in. Um, you know, most of my clients, we coach a little bit on LGBTQ, but then we go to everything. And it's usually a lot of their children. Um, there's a circumstance that they're parenting that they feel like disconnected, that they feel like their faith is different. But I want you to realize any circumstance you're in, and um, I have found this to be true with all my LGBTQ parents, is the Lord is teaching you. It's not a punishment. When your child comes out, instead of like thinking this is like hard, this is um, difficult, which it all is. It's more really helpful to think like this is a learning opportunity. The Lord has brought me into the classroom and this is the classroom of love. I want to tell you every parent I teach it is they learn how to love in a different way, a higher way. And, you know, James one, um, James one, five, I think it was the, 
you know, if any of you lack wisdom that Joseph Smith went to the sacred grove and started the restoration with that scripture, but go in there and read James one, because it's so, that is one verse of many amazing pearls in that chapter. And he, the Lord really talks to us about what he's trying to do with our life circumstances and what he's trying to do. He's trying to mold us, mature us and help us become more like our, our savior. And we just don't do that in the ease. We do that in circumstances that feel challenging, feel like we have to be learning a lot. And when you reframe that, when I started reframing of like, oh, this is the opportunity, like the Lord actually trusts me to grow here, trust me to love my son, trust me to um, learn new things. I showed up with a different energy in the circumstance of being a parent of an LGBTQ child. So kind of reframe that in your mind. That's the first step I need you to do. And like the Lord is shaping another quote from Terrell Givens. You can tell I can love it. Um, he says, the God's power rests not on totalizing omnipotence, but on his ability to alchemize suffering, tragedy, and loss into wisdom, understanding, and joy. And I promise you, if you do the work in this circumstance, I have so many wise clients now uh, who, who understand and have such a different level of joy because they did their work on their faith. Um, and this quote from Jennifer Finlayson Fife is, I think, everything. She goes, we all have a stereotype of who God is, but we are all wrong because that's based on where we are in our development. Once again, your relationship with God is based on you and your thoughts, your relationship and your development. And this is why it's, it doesn't matter what the circumstance God brings you, but he's constantly going to bring you new circumstances so you can learn more about him and learn about who you are and what you're capable of. So whatever you're going through right now, this is the opportunity he's giving you to grow. So what are the three areas you need to focus on? And, you know, I've coached hundreds of people on faith, crisis, journey, however you want to say it now. And these are the three, kind of the three, like think of a stool. These are the three things that help you create the faith relationship you want with your community and with Christ. And it really comes down to three things. It's your self-awareness, it's your self-confidence and your mindset. Okay. And we are going to go deep. This is the formula and this is the tool. And so as things come up, um, just think, okay, that's where I need to work because all some, you might be really self-confident, but you're not, might not be self-aware or your mindset might be off. And this is constant. This isn't like one and done. This is something I have to constantly work on and work with my clients because we're human beings and we have these amazing brains that create crazy. But these three areas are what is what really you gain your power back and your strength back. Okay, self-awareness. <clears throat> the, there's three areas in self-awareness. One is you are the creator. You need to take ownership of your experience and you need to intentionally redefine your experience. Okay, being aware that you are the creator. That is good news. Um, you know, we're no longer the primary children going there and having the teacher do everything and all of those things. Like you are the creator of your experience at church. Um, and once you are aware that other people, people from the pulpit aren't creating it. Um, if somebody doesn't talk to you or does talk to you, they're not creating it. You are creating it with your thoughts, your experience and how you, the energy you're bringing. And once you realize like, oh, I have all the power here, then that's when I can help you start creating something different. And this is what we work on a lot and lift it together. And when I coach with you, because you coach with me um, privately too, and one in our community is where I teach you a skill every month, but then we really get into like helping you understand that what you're creating, um, what your ex experience and taking back the power and the ownership of what works best for you at church and with God. And, um, you know, I have had many, many, many clients feel very like, I don't know if I could go to church anymore because it feels so painful and who now have a very different experience. So even with people who say unkind things, I still can teach you skills to go there and to take honor your covenants and be there if you want to be there. And that's like, I have clients who don't go to church, but just want to work on the relationship with God. Either way, I can help you create a better experience, but being aware that you are the creator is the first stop. The second was take ownership of it, how we experience everything, um, people, church, God, temple. It's because of what we're thinking, being aware of how our emotions work and then understanding that what we are feeling is because of the sentences that our brains create and helping you understand why you create that. It's not just like 
oh, I think this thought I need to, it's not thought swapping. It's really, I help you kind of get to know you and help you understand that this thought I'm thinking feels very valid and feels very meaningful. And I help you learn why you created it. So then that helps us let it go. And we really understand how powerful you are in your life. And it moves you from powerless to powerful in your own story. When you take ownership of your own needs and emotions, you are then more equipped to create the healthy connection that you want with your Heavenly Father. It is a very, very um, empowering place to be. I call it spiritual maturity. And the last part of self-awareness is to help you intentionally redesign your experience. How do you create a new experience? You're like, yeah, I hear you, Jenny. I want to create new, but how? Um, one is growing up your skill of becoming how powerful you are, like not being a victim, but being the hero in your story. Um, learning how to be a watcher of yourself. That is a skill that most of us don't have. Most of us don't aren't able to slow our brain down enough. And that's kind of how it, what I teach you to see that what you're creating. And then to choose intentionally what you want to think and feel. And that is also a skill. Um, where you go in very purposeful, you're very confident that no matter what people say, that you are going to um, experience church and God how you want to. Um, these are all skills that we're not taught, but that I teach and lift it together. And with my clients, like I said, um, I have so many clients that really did a 180 on their experiences in their faith. And your thoughts create your feelings, which drive your actions. Your actions create your results. This is the model that I go back to and teach and help you. And it, it's just awareness model of what's going on with you. But you are the creator of all your emotions, not other people. So we can't control the moment. We can't control the people. People are going to say stupid things. They're going to say hurtful things. Um, people are <laughs> just doing the best they can, but usually they get it wrong a lot of the times. But I really grow you up so you can completely control how you feel in the moment where I'm to the place now, really people cannot offend me. I really am learned to give them a lot of grace in my mind. And I'm so in control of what I think and feel that I really have great understanding. And so that is how it creates a different, and this is what I teach and um, teach my clients to do, which feels the best. Okay. So the second um, leg of the stool is confidence. Um, do you like yourself? What works for you? How good are you of hearing your inner wisdom or the spirit? And do you see yourself as God sees you? These are all really important parts of confidence. You're not, you know, I know people say like, oh, that's a confident person. You're not either born or not born with confidence. Confidence, once again, is emotion that you create. And confidence doesn't even come from doing something over and over again. Self-confidence comes from your belief system about yourself. And all of these are what ties into your belief system. So like I said, confidence is a feeling or a belief that you create when we believe that one can have faith or rely on someone or something. So if you have self-confidence, you believe that you can rely on yourself. If you have confidence in God, you believe you have thoughts that create that feeling of confidence. So trust and confidence doesn't just come, you create it. That's really what I want you to take away from those, both those emotions. So do you like, do you delight in yourself? Do you like yourself? Um, I love this quote from Sherry Dew. No woman is more persuasive. No woman has greater influence for good. No woman is more vibrant instrument in the hands of the Lord than a woman who is thrilled to be who she is. Take that. If you're a man, are you thrilled to be who you are? God created you. You have amazing skills, amazing gifts. You're divine. And are you thrilled with this creation that he, like we're thrilled with nature all the time. Like right outside there's beautiful mountains and I'm like, oh, that is so majestic. But we are God's greatest creations. And are you thrilled to be who you are in the world? And if you're not, come join me because I get women and men thrilled about who they are. There is no reason why you cannot love your uniqueness. And if you're not, that is chipping away at your self-confidence. What works for you? Like examine your why with your faith practices. Um, all faith practices, all they are. They're not a checklist of like, like the vending machine. I do this and the Lord gives me this. They are tools. They are relationship things to bring us closer to Christ. And you need to have the confidence to give yourself permission to experiment and to only use the tools that work for you. What can you let go of? Be careful of like all or nothing. Like if I don't do this all the time, then it doesn't work for me. All or nothing mindsets. Um, there are many tools that I have dropped <laughs> since my son came out that no longer work for me. Um, like, so you need to really examine your tools. And like, when I say tools, I'm saying like scriptures, 
prayer, sacrament, temple, family proclamation, general conference. Oh, sorry. Um, ah, <laughs> my screen's going weird. Hold on just a minute. Okay. Um, general conference, um, firesides, all of these um, are tools that help you feel close to the Savior and grow your faith. And if they're not working for you, you need to be confident enough to allow yourself to put them down, even if it's just temporary. And, but don't also like say, okay, none of these work because there are tools out there that are going to work for you and you have to pay attention and you have to find them. It takes work to figure out. Like I know for me, walking in nature is a tool that I need a lot to connect with the savior. Um, and when I'm not, I'm off. Like I, but I didn't know that five years ago, even to be honest with you. And so you're evolving human being with needs. And like I said, everybody just connects differently with God and you are changing all the time. So you have to be on top of this. So how you do it is look at the tool. Does this tool make me feel the spirit and help me in, in my relationship with Christ? Um, if it does examine why or why not and give yourself permission to put them down, even if it's temporary. Sometimes when we're like, I don't really have to do this, then that tool starts working for yourself. And then third aspect is you've got to find the right tools. Just because one doesn't work doesn't mean you're like, nothing works. There are tools out there that will make you feel close to Christ and that will make you feel more confident. And part of being confident is really being, hearing your inner wisdom and your, your spirit. Listening to others can get really tricky. Listening to ourselves can get really tricky because we live in such a noisy world and it's the, you know, the spirit that whatever you call it, inner wisdom, it's a foreign language and it's a mere whisper. It's so, um, you have to be so connected to yourself. And I love what, um, our prophet, the president Nelson said, where he said, our father knows that when we are surrounded by uncertainty and fear, which you probably are when your child comes out, what will help us the most is to hear his son. Because when we seek to hear and truly hear his son, we will be guided to know what we do in any circumstance. And this is one of the most important things when you have a child who comes out, because there is no strength for youth for LGBTQ children. You are in unknown territory, foreign territory, and you will hear advice and um, instructions from many people, but it might not resonate with you. And so you really need to be able to pray to the Lord and figure out what's best for your family. And it's going to be different from what's mine. Everybody will have different, you are the one who is, has the um, tools, has the, um, the mantle. Heavenly, heavenly parents did not make a mistake sending those children to you. And it's your gifts and your wisdom, but you have to learn how to hear your wisdom. So what is it? Like some people call it intuition, insight. I call it the spirit, whatever the term you use, it's the little voice inside of you that represents the real you, like you at your highest self, your best self. It's you after stripping away like your society standards and expectations and everyone else's. It's you, your really core spirit. spirit. So the, in fact, last all last month um, in our community, we worked on hearing the inner wisdom. And what is your current relationship? Like how I talked about everything, you have a relationship with yourself and your inner wisdom and everyone has it. Don't tell me you don't have it. I know you have it. We're all born with a solid connection to our inner guidance system. And most of us have a very inconsistent relationship with our inner wisdom at best, sometimes non-existent at worst, but the good news is everyone can relearn it. I help you do that, help you receive guidance from that spirit, the inner wisdom and reestablish that stronger connection. So you trust yourself more. And the last part of confidence is how do you see yourself? Our spirits long for us to remember the truth about who we are. Because the way we see ourselves, our sense of identity affects everything we do. It affects the way we behave, the way we respond to uncertainty, the way we see others, and the way we make choices. Sherry Dew said this. And this actually, learning how to see yourself helps you actually see your LGBTQ child in a new way too. This skill that you do for you um, has fruits of it seeing all your children this way. So when I, when I asked that, who are you? Where did you go for that answer? What things about you do you use to define your identity, your past, your accomplishments, your family, what you are not, your career, your calling, what others have said about you? All of those are false. <laughs> They're just people's opinions. And so I really help you like 
create the identity you want to be and what feels like strip away kind of some of these. And part of that is if you're not right now praying to see yourself as God sees you, I want you to start. Only when we see ourselves through Heavenly Father's eyes can we be filled with the pure love of Christ. Every day you, we should be pleading to let us understand of who we are. You are a spiritual being having a mortal experience. Like you are far more amazing than you even realize. And Mormon admonished, wherefore my beloved brethren, pray unto the Father with all your energy of heart that you may be filled with love. Like your heavenly father wants you to be filled with love and awe of who he created, who you are. And if you aren't, that is a practice that we can begin. Okay, so we have self-awareness, self-confidence, and the third stool is a mindset. And mindset is so important. It's um, the four things we're going to talk about today is get good at feeling good, be willing to be wrong, watch your punctuation, and nurture empathy. Mindset is really everything. And our brains are so amazing. And but they are so good at working unconsciously that the work I do with you is I make you work consciously a little bit, which is painful at first, but it's kind of like um driving a car when you first got in the car. It was you were so scared. Think about when you were 16 and learning how to drive, you were freaking out. But as you now you get in the car and you don't think about it. And that's the work I do. Um, a lot of my clients are like, you're in my head now. <laughs> and I'm like, I hope that's a good thing. And they're like, no, it's good. It, it helps me think like of my incorrect beliefs. And the first part of mindset is we're not good at feeling good. You know, our greatest weapon against stress is to choose one thought over another. So if you're feeling bad, it's not the circumstance. It is how you're thinking. It's the habit. We get in habits and cycles of feeling bad all the time. And I love the scripture um, in John 14, where um, God says, let not your heart be troubled. Yea, believe in God. Believe also in me. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. Peace I leave unto you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. The Lord does not want us to be troubled or fear or stress. Um, he wants us to feel that peace that is available to us. But we have to kind of clear out the mindset. And so getting good at feeling good is learning how to check the facts, check your feeling. Like a lot of times when I first start working with somebody, I'm like, well, how did that make you feel? And they're like, I don't know. Like, we're not even aware of what we're feeling. It's so automatic and it's usually really crappy. And so we really, I teach you how to question the meaning you're putting around. We all create stories. That's how we make sense of life. And usually the meaning we're putting around the facts, the stories, is what's making, keeping us from feeling good. And it's a habit. And so the good news, again, once again, you're probably in a habit of feeling bad. I get you in the habit of feeling good, but that's really important part of your faith. This is my, one of my favorite skills of growing my faith is being willing to be wrong. Um, Gene being, being upset and let, unlike our growing physically, we do not mature spiritually unless we're willing to change and move to a higher, holier way of living. And um, in Doctrine and Covenants 112.10, the Lord says, be thy humble and the Lord thy God shall lead thee by thy hand and give thee answers to thy prayers. I was completely wrong how I saw my son as LGBTQ. I've been wrong about other people. I'm continually being wrong. There is way more we don't know than we do know. Um, we are continuing restoration, revelation. And so we are wrong about a lot of things. And so being willing to be wrong our brain thinks it's more important to be right than to be connected. That is how it's programmed. And so taking that off of the autopilot kind of like um, software that was installed on your brain and be like, I delight in being wrong now because I show up humble, I show up teachable and I show up with like in the possibility of the awe of like, I know I'm limiting God all the time of what he can do in my story. I know I'm limiting God all the time of his goodness and how he's five steps ahead of me. And so I'm constantly like, I could totally be wrong about this. So the things that I'm like, I'm not for sure. What I do is I question what my belief about it is. And I look, how could I be wrong? How would Christ be thinking about this? And then always I go to, but what do I want to believe about this? Because what belief creates the best self? Meaning how loving my LGBTQ child and believing he has a place in the Lord's kingdom, that is helps me operate at my best self, my most hopeful, my most filled with faith, which then makes me love people in a better way, better way. So I give myself permission to like, maybe this is wrong. And, but I want to think of it this way. 
And I'm not saying going against doctrine in a really serious way, but I'm saying just making like, where's God in it? Where's Christ in it? How would he be thinking about it? How would this help me be my best self? Um, And watch your pronunciation. This is so period because we all the time place a period where God has placed a comma in our story, in our children's story. Um, God's way are higher than our ways because his ways are always part of the plan, the bigger plan we're not seeing. We're seeing one part of it. So we're so um, limited in our viewing. And it's like almost like we're trying to create a thousand piece puzzle, finish it. And we have 10 or 100 pieces. God has all the pieces of the puzzle. Or we see a portion of the jumbled back of the tapestry and he sees the masterpiece he's creating. Like we're, where our brain focuses us, we're very negative bias. That's how our brain is created to survive. So a lot of times we are putting like a punctuation of like a period and it's just a comma. And in Isaiah 55, we've been studying Isaiah and come follow me recently, which is amazing. And the Lord says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher, then the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Isaiah 55, eight through nine. So how I do this is I constantly remind myself of these thoughts that I need to have patience in God's timing. Um, part of this is learning the nature of God where, like I said, I'm limiting God all the time. And I think my favorite story of this is Jairus's daughter. Remember when he went to the Lord and he's like, come heal my daughter. And she died in that transient period of him finding the Lord. And I'm sure Jairus was like, that's a period. Like he's too late. And what did the Lord do? The Lord healed her and brought her back to life. And we just limit the Lord all the time. We're adding the period and there's a comma, I guarantee you in your child's story and your story. And just be careful where you limit God. Watch the punctuation. They love how I say that. The last part of um, your mindset is nurture your empathy muscle. We need to put ourselves in other people's shoes so we can understand their point of view, especially if we want them to see it from our viewpoint. The same problem appears differently when we're viewed from a different place or from a different position. This is called giving grace. My favorite thing thought about leaders who I'm seeing things differently from is we're all learning. The Lord is teaching both of us. And I know that the Lord is constantly like we lead in third Nephi. My bowels are filled with compassion towards you. He has compassion to all the players and nurturing your empathy muscle, like thinking everybody is coming from good intent, taking that stance, thinking they're doing the best they can. That really creates um, a space of safety for you in your faith community. And so how I do this is I often think they're just like me, how? Like they want the same thing. We're on the same team. We're coming at it differently, but how are they just like me? That brings, helps me create understanding and love if I'm disagreeing with somebody. I be, have become a master listener. I talk way less and listen more. Like I might tell me more or if you're feeling that, that must be hard. And I pattern vulnerability with other people where I am very honest with where I'm at, with my emotions. So that is connection. You know, we connect not on our perfection, but on our vulnerability. And so I have that confidence now to tell people how I really think in a really nurturing way and a safe way so that we can connect and see each other as sons and daughters of God. And that is really part of your mindset in your faith communities and with God. And these, like I said, these are all things I work on and with you and are lifted together. Um, I love Byron Katie. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but I think this really creates the mindset I want you to have with your faith is I stopped waiting for the world to give me what I wanted. And I started giving it to myself. You know, I think one of the best analogies of you being powerful in your faith journey and in your faith experience and in your faith community is, um, you know, there was the woman who came into the office, the bishop's office and was like, nobody is friendly here. People are talking about me. Like, I feel like there's not a place for me in my faith community. And he said, okay, I want you to um, do experiment. I want you to get a glass of water and I want you to walk three times around the, the ward building. And she's like, okay. And he goes, then come back and talk to me. So she did that. She got that glass of water. She saw people in the hall. She kept walking and she was like really being really intent on focusing on that water and just kept walking around it. And she came back in the office and he goes, okay, so what did you hear people say this time? And she's like, oh, I didn't hear anything. And he's like, well, why not? She goes, oh, well, I was so focused on not spilling the water. And that is 
like as with Christ, when we're more focused on our relationship with Christ, we are in a place where we could be more forgiving, show more grace and have more confidence. And there is a place for us and you are important. And this is your community. And you, like I said, like Terrell Givens um, quote of like, this is your church and this is your space to be in. And when you, um, and it's kind of growing yourself up emotionally and spiritually. And that is what I do with you. Um, Jean Bingham said, and I want you to really remember this. Because of the choices you made primordially, you have a central role in God's plan of happiness at a very significant time in the history of the world. Your heavenly parents prepared you to come to earth with those truths embedded in your spirit. And, and you and I were excited to try to become like them. And there is no mistake, like the choices you have made, you've already made choices to have the children you have, have your LGBTQ children, and you have a central role. You were prepared for this moment and you have those truths embedded in your spirit. You know what to do, but world is so noisy. Um, life is messy and you need a place to process and to get in that clean space so you can live up to that essential role of who you want to be. And um, let me look at your questions. Let me just go over quickly how to work with me. Um, it's been putting that in. Um, when you work, when you join Lifted Together, you get twice a month, you get to coach with me privately. And I also, every month we go over, um, we have a new class um, and we do support groups. In fact, right after this call, we have a big mama support group. Um, and we do, so every, we learned these skills we talked about throughout this. Every month we focus on it. I give you a workbook. We have two calls about it. And then People are busy. And so I get that. So we have them all recorded. So you can watch, listen on our private podcast just for us or our private um, community for the video inside. And um, what, what, what really happens? Like, how can I really help you? Um, it really is you get a personalized help with your situation. Everybody's family is different. Um, it is the how, like I kind of help you with the how, not just like you need to think differently. Like we go through the situations and break them down. You need a safe place, a private place to process and learn. Um, you need the support. It's going to be emotional, your faith and your child. It's emotional, mental roller coaster. And there's other parents in our community that's going through the same thing. And what happens is what does that give your child? A confident parent, a healthy parent, a peaceful parent, a happy parent. My community members, they're all these things because they work on themselves, they invest in themselves. And so the financial breakdown is, um, it's $97 a month, um, but I'm gonna give you a code that you could use if you wanna just try it out. You could stop anytime by October 1st. You have to use it though. And it's FAITH, all caps, and you get the first month free. And like I said, you can leave anytime. And um, annually, it's 970 annually. So if you actually use that code, you will get three months free. So it's a really great deal. And, um, you know, if you coach with me one time, it's over $100, $150 each time. So you coach twice, you get twice to coach with me a month, you get the workshops, there's over, over 40 in the vault that you could go back and look at. It's a tremendous value. And, oh, let me go to, go to liftittogether.com. And also I'll email you the link. Um, and that is where you go and sign up. Okay, any questions? Let me stop sharing. And go to the questions that you guys have. Um, how do you handle exclusive nature of the covenant path and the saving ordinance? How can I participate in the temple with my whole heart when it excludes those I love and limits their potential? How do I tell my child, child that they can't have what the rest of us have now and I'm in now and after and the afterlife? Okay, these are all amazing questions. Like there's a lot going on. <laughs> there's like probably 20 things I could coach you on, um, a couple of these. Okay. The covenant path. You know, I have, um, one podcast guest who said, um, you know, everybody on this earth is part of the covenant path. When we all raised our hand and said, yes, I'll go to this earth. Um, I'll follow this plan. We made a covenant with the Lord. And so I think to redefine how you're looking at the covenant path, um, the, your children are on the covenant path. We are all on the covenant path. You know, the saving ordinances that takes like an hour and a half. But the celestial relationship, the relationship with you have your child, that is what I want you to focus on. Uh, the Lord can fix the, the ordinance, but the treating each other in that celestial way, that would be much harder for him to, um, to focus on and to work through. And, you know, I get the temple, like, 
can be painful for some people. And especially when you want your child there and they want to be there. I get that. I don't, there, this is where we're waiting upon the Lord, right? We're putting a period. And I think we need to put a comma. And all I know is when I go to the temple, um, I always put my son's name on the roll and I am doing it for him. Like I really, I am being a better parent. Part of my participation in the temple is helping me be my highest self is bringing me the peace and love that I feel he gets blessed with. And so the mindset I have about why I do go to the temple helps me show up in that way. Um, how do I tell my child that they can't have what the rest of us have? I think they can. Um, I think, like I said, we know very little, we limit God. Um, right now, yes, there is limit. And I help my child focus on what they can have, right? I really believe him being LGBTQ is how God created him. I don't understand. And I tell him that. I think it's really important for you to pattern your doubts and how you're doing your faith with your child, where you don't act like, oh, it's all going to work out. You're like this, like, let's pray about this. Like we, this is where you kind of have to throw the handbook out and be like, create that relationship with God. And I know most of my moms that and dads I work with have this surety and this peace that they don't need to know about the how, that they know it's going to work out. And we like to focus on the how and we want the specifics, but that is where you have to like grow your faith up. Um, and that's where the, the pain goes away because I have a real surety that my son will be with me, but I don't know how it doesn't make sense. Like the math doesn't work out right now. I totally agree. But Either way, like it's all delusion, right? Like we really don't know how it's going to work out, but me believing this helps me be the disciple of Christ, the mom I want to be, the wife I want to be, the daughter, all of those things. That is the way I want to live my life, even if I'm wrong at the end of the day, because I am the gifts of the spirit are with me. And I, I'm, all of those are really good. I'm, I'm, I will talk to more about those. If I haven't answered, let me know. Um, okay, let me see if there's any more questions. Go down. Um, okay, I think that is it. Okay, I will send you an email with the link if you would like to work with me and also the copy of this. Thank you for coming on. Once again, you are amazing. Um, this is investment in you and in your faith, um, but it's the best investment you can make because relationships and your knowledge is what we take in the afterlife, right? This is the most important thing. So I love you and thank you for coming on with me. Have a great day.